Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real Lovers Podcast. My name is Marley Silverbrand, and today on the podcast, I am joined by a really great friend. We met on, we met on Twitter. He runs the movie ranking space on Twitter. If you see that t- Twitter space like pop up on your feed, you should join that. Alfie, welcome to the show. Hey, Marley, thanks for having me. Uh, always, I'm always glad to. Um, talk movies with a fellow movie lover like yourself so um how's your day going today uh it's been good it's been good so uh, watch a couple movies and yeah that's that was pretty much it for yeah. today <laughs> yeah oh uh, one of those movies is the movie that we're going to be talking about today uh we're going to be talking about the man who sleeps it is the 249th film on the letterbox top 250 this series that I continue to do. I, well, I've only done one episode of it so far, but I, I plan on watching every single one, every single one of those movies. And uh, Elfie, thank you for joining me uh, today. Absolutely. For <laughs> of course. Uh, but yeah. Um, but before we get into that, we've also been watching other movies. Elfie, do you want to uh, start off with what we've been watching? Yeah. Um, well, I've, I watched two movies aside from the one we will be talking about. Um, so I watched Knock at the Cabin and I watched Empire of Light. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I know you've seen. Um, <laughs> I kind of didn't like either of them, uh, <laughs> but the, they're kind of in the same situation because I thought they were, you know, they look beautiful at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I heard the same thing about Empire of Light. I've actually, I actually saw Knock of the Cabin too, uh, not T O O, not two. I don't think there's a sequel, but <laughs> not yet. I, hope, but... I don't think there will. I hope not. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, but like Empire of Light, I've heard kind of mixed like reviews on it. Like obviously, it's like shot by Roger Deakins, so it's really it's going to look beautiful regardless. But yeah. From what yeah, I it, it does. It it looks beautiful. I mean, he Roger Dickens. He never really misses. Um, so yeah, but and also you know it's scored by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, which was also another highlight of the movie. The score. Um, oh, I didn't, and I didn't I, know that. That's... Yeah, they are, <laughs> and it, and it's a great score. Um, I do pre I do prefer their score for Bones and All mm-hmm. uh, from last year. Uh, but yeah, this one was pretty good. I still um, have, I still haven't yeah. seen Bones and All yet. Oh yeah, that one I did like. I do, I do recommend that one. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to check that one out. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's cannibalism. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's a little gnarly. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but before we get into, since we both saw Knock at the Cabin, uh, we'll. we'll We'll do that one last. So I'll talk about an, a movie that I watched like this week. Uh, I saw 80 for Brady. Uh, nice. <laughs> I had no idea. I did not expect to love this movie as much as I did. But I absolutely love, like, I absolutely loved, like, every single second of it. Because it's like, I'm not really the biggest fan of, like, sports movies. I think that, like, I think sports movies are in a way kind of, like, cliche and boring. But yeah, what I liked about this one is that it told the story of like how 
I think it was the pa- the Patriots. I'm not a big football fan, but based on what the movie told me, this was basically the story of how the Patriots like came back in the 2017 Super Bowl. And but it di- it didn't tell it from the story of like uh of like the players. It told it from the story of these four old ladies that were fans of Tom Brady. And I just like I know this is like it's supposedly based on a true story, but like I don't know. I just like the, but like like that concept of like like the story of like fans kind of like going to the Super Bowl to watch like their favorite team. I just think it's it, it's really great. Plus the cast is just like top notch. You got oh, yeah, you, yeah. You got Sally Field, which was my my highlight. I love Sally Field. I, I don't think I've hated a single movie that she's been in uh jane fonda like this is the first time i've seen jane fonda like on screen like um like at at the theater so seeing her kind of like like just kind of do what she does was actually kind of incredible to watch but uh what like what did you are you interested in seeing 80 for brady alfie yeah, I, I think at some point I will. Um, it's not in my theater, so I, I, I unfortunately can't watch it in theaters right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, there's this weird like genre in which they always take these uh, older actors um, and they put them like in this probably like the most insipid adventure they could think about. Mm-hmm. But they're always so good that they kind of make it work. <laughs> right. You know, like it's it's kind of like in that same. I like that you said it's a genre of taking old actors and putting them like and just putting them like in a scene because you got the Expendables. Expendables are, are kind of like that. Then I yeah. think uh, what, what's that one with Morgan Freeman? It's like the older men. They and they go. To oh Vegas. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that move. I, I was actually thinking of another movie because I was like I. It, I don't remember what it what how it's called, but I believe Zach Braff directed that movie, and it's with uh, Morgan Freeman. And I believe Alan Alda is in it, and mm-hmm. Michael Caine. Damn. And <laughs> basically, it was about them. They wanted. I be, if I remember correctly, was that they wanted to rob a bank. So, <laughs> so I was slightly more interesting than usual. Right. I wonder. I, I, I want to see that film because it just seems like, it just seems like absolutely absurd and just, I just like, I just like elderly people just kind of like doing just, like absolutely insane things that they wouldn't end up doing. It's kind of like, it's I don't know. It's kind of like they would like, they would have. It's like they wrote this film in like a retirement home and stuff like that. It's like, yeah. oh, it's, it's like it's like a bucket list type film, like a bucket list. Yeah. Another another good film by by two aging yeah. stars. You know, may, maybe the bucket list was like kind of the movie that birthed this genre. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's such a good film. I love I love. The yeah, it is it, it is great. I wish I wish there were it was more than just Morgan Freeman, Jack Nichols, and I wish there were like five of them. Like. <laughs> Right. <laughs> there were like five feet, like there were like five older actors doing this bucket list movie. Right. So you know, it's maybe like the Avengers. People... It's like the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just bring the just bring them all together. And and yeah, I remember that one though with Morgan Freeman who goes to Vegas, I believe with Michael Michael Douglas, is it? Yeah. I thought uh <laughs> Michael Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
that that was fun. That was a funny movie. Yeah. Like speaking of the Avengers, that would be super funny if Marvel just I, I want them to just bring all the all the old Avengers back and just like when they're when they're super old and they'll just make another Avengers movie. And just yeah, just go on adventures when they're like really old. Yeah, and they're gonna try to like de-age them, and, you know, like Irishman style, and it's in and it's gonna be terrible. Prob- <laughs> it's gonna make a, it's gonna make a billion dollars. Let's not let's not do the Irishman style. That's no. Yeah, I'm, it's like I, I think I'm good on that one, but but yeah, um, let's move on to a film that both of us watched and what we've been watching. Knock at the cabin. Alfie, you've expressed on Twitter pretty pretty harshly, in my opinion. Like, like you're you're entitled to your opinion. M Night Shyamalan, the newest film from M Night Shyamalan, Knock at the Cabin. He's a very polarizing filmmaker at the, at this stage of his career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Yeah, he he's def, definitely very polarizing, and you know what? I've been it's been a week since I watched Knock at the Cabin, and I'm like, I can't. I I am a fan of Emma Shaman. I actually really like old a lot, even though, you know, you kind of go, well, when he came out, you went into Twitter, and everyone was like, this is awful, this is stupid, and I was like, this is kind of a masterpiece. I don't know about you, but um. Yeah, uh, Knock at the Cabin, um, I don't think as harshly of it anymore as I did when I came out of the theater, but I do, th- I do still think it's pretty terrible. Yeah, you read the book uh, that it's based I did. on, right? I did, like, yes. And I've, I, I've done, like, I've read several articles saying that the, saying that the, the ending of the movie is basically different than... The, uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's severely different, and it kind of like does a disservice to the book. Like, would you, would you? I would agree with that. Yes, <laughs> yes, I would. I don't know. Can we talk spoilers? Um, let's talk. Let's let's talk a little light spoilers, like <laughs> like spoilers for the book at least. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. So, actually, the the film it's it's kind of the same as the book until a certain point. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say until a scene where Dave Batista gets locked up in a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so until that point, it's pretty much like the book. So I was really excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I... Yeah, so I was like, oh, this is amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then I don't, I don't think that what happened what happened after that like until the end i don't think that shamalan's choices were very good in that regard um just because i think that the pretty much like the third part of the uh, of that story is a lot better in the book but not only better but also you know the book has a very specific thing that it's trying to say and the movie kind of goes in the opposite direction so it's a little bit jarring well mm-hmm. not a, i it was to me it was really jarring um so basically the in the the book it's kind of uh, i guess i would say a little more cynical or a little bit more like nihilistic towards uh view towards humanity 
<laughs> and in the movie, it, it is, I guess, uh, it is kind of hopeful, like a hopeful ending. Um, I don't understand. Uh, I've seen some some people who are like uh, that they like the ending of the movie better because it was like a, like a happier ending. But I don't really think it was happy <laughs> in the in the movie either. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. I thought that the ending was kind of like it. This is like the least M Night Shyamalan ending because if, if for anyone that doesn't know, M Night Shyamalan is kind of like he he's he's basically kind of wrote himself into a corner over the past like decade where he's kind of the twist guy where everyone everyone's expecting like when they're watching like a, his one of his movies is that they're expecting expecting a twist and uh the, like knock at the cabin like doesn't really have a twist and it's like it's it's kind of like what we expected like like from from the beginning and that was kind of something that threw me off like I like the like the film a little bit more than you did, just because I I can appreciate M Night Shyamalan. Like when I was watching this film, I like how simple it was. Like, like it's basically if you, it's basically like a film kind of shot all in one location. It's like a bottle film, and I like the, M Night Shyamalan's like, like his choices on shooting with wide angle lenses and just like he doesn't use, like his films aren't really all that flashy. But he also knows how to like use use the camera really well and and make make his films look flashy without using special effects. So I appreciate I appreciated the film like from that aspect. How, however, speaking of special effects, what do you think of the the news footage that they would intercut? Like <laughs> Alfie? Um I I kinda didn't know what to think about them because I was like, okay, so, um, so he, here's like an important thing from the book that I think I wish is it, it was a little bit jarring to me because the whole story of the book is very Shyamalan. Like it's like a, a very sh kind of story that he would tell. So that's, that's why I was really excited. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know, this, if he follows the story from the book, it, it like it's essentially a Shyamalan movie but he I don't know why he changed the ending to be honest because it kind of goes like, not only against the book but also against like his usual narratives and mm -hmm. in in the book so basically this whole footage thing it was in, like in the movie uh that there were there was this like plagues going on in the world but all of that was pre-recorded so um basically when these people arrive at the cabin these things had already happened so that's uh that's kind of like the intrigue that i really like in the movie until a point where you're like okay so this is real so where are we going with this yeah uh i think it's also important to note that this is the first film to my knowledge that he uh had a co-writer on uh i'm looking that up right now um michael sherman uh, or Michael Sherman and St Stephen Desmond. Yeah, there's like three writers, right? Yeah, and I think that's kind of something that made made me feel like it's like this definitely doesn't feel like an M Night Shyamalan film just because, like you said, like the ending, and and I think like him kind of working with new writers might have had that effect, obviously. And I, I was also thinking about this when I left the theater uh, for Knock at the Cabin is 
I wonder if he had co-writers because this is an ad adaptation and we don't we don't, we don't really talk about the other adaptation that and that Shyamalan did. Um, it, it rhymes with uh, uh, I don't know. I can't think of I can't think of what it rhymes with. But the Last Airbender, we don't talk about it. But yeah, he he he, he kind of suffered with that one. So I wondered I, I wonder if like the studio was like, if you're adapting this, we're gonna have like you're gonna have help. That's basically like what the studio said. Yeah, maybe it could be. But actually, you know, his previous film, Old, that's that's also an adaptation from a um, from a graphic from a French graphic novel called Sandcastle. Mm. And oh, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, and that one, um, well, Sand that that said a little bit different because Sandcastle didn't really have like a like a Shyamalan-esque narrative. So I do understand why he changed that mm -hmm. um, to kind of make it more his own. So that's why I was surprised that he changed the ending of the book on this one, because this is already like, people would have gasped with what happens in the book. And mm -hmm. I think people would have been more excited with what happens in the book. Um, mm -hmm. And this one, uh, I don't know if, if it was that, that he was doing with, you know, with these two co-writers that it was a lot safer and I don't think, I think Shyamalan wanted to say a lot of things in this movie that I don't think came across very well. And it might be that, it might be because he had these two co-writers with him. Yeah, um, I think I think it might be that as well. Uh, another thing, cause uh, like one of, like the main premise of this movie is that like there's this two, uh, this uh, th this gay couple is basically uh, are, they're staying in this cabin like with with their daughter, their adoptive daughter, and they basically get like invaded by like these four individuals. And like I, I thought that like the entire film was pretty tense, like leading up to like when you said Dave Batista gets locked locked in like in the bathroom, but. The problem that I had with the ending of this film is that, like, the way this film is kind of, like, kind of treading water with the whole QAnon movement on how people take in information and, like, when you see, like, video of something actually happening, how people yeah. can be influenced. I, I really like those themes, but the way this film kind of ended, it, it like, I, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit how it kind of redeemed like those people, it's it's kind of like it's basically saying like oh like they they did nothing wrong and stuff like that. Uh, did did you get that feeling at all? Because it's like it it, it felt it, it felt a little bit disingenuous, a little bit where it's just like oh QAnon's not that bad, even though they are. But yeah, I I actually had kind of a similar takeaway for that. That's why I guess that that was a little bit of the reason why I did. I was very angry at the, at this movie when I came out of theater because I think so basically the biggest difference from the film and the book is that in the book you you never really know if this apocalypse thing is is real. Mm -hmm. So even until the end of the book the so it, the story ends and you're kind of like okay so they kind of leave you to your interpretation if this apocalypse thing was real or not. It never, there's never any, 
actual like concrete evidence that it's real. And I think that it's weird that Shaman changed that because he he does play with that a lot in his films about this, you know, this whole ambiguity of is this thing happening or whatever? Is this real? Is this a dream? Is this imaginary or whatever? And that's why I it didn't work in the movie for me because first of all, you know, there's these people who from the very inception of the story, there they were always meant to be like a you know, like a placeholder for for the church or a religious group. And as well as in the book. Uh, and in this one, I don't I don't know if it's intentional or not, where there are multiple references to this about them being a religious group and then being like, no, I uh, I didn't know you were a, say, a same sex couple. I didn't know, like, we don't, I don't have any prejudice. I don't hate anyone or whatever. Um, Aside from Rupert Green's character, I think, mm -hmm. uh, for the most part. And I don't know if it was intentional to kind of drive the narr that narrative away from them or just to like pull or just to confirm that. Uh, because I mean, at the end of the day, they were right. And I don't know, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way how at the end, these characters, well, Eric and Andrew, they kind of came to this realization that they're like, you know, okay, so this is real. So basically all these people who have been like tormenting us our whole life are right. Um, so it's kind of, I don't know, <laughs> it, was, it, it was a bit upsetting to me, to be honest. Yeah, it's like, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. And like, like I said, it, I, I loved like what this movie was saying on how like when stuff is shown to people we how people will start to believe and kind of like go on their side like but I think it was like the third news clip like I Dave Batista is like absolutely incredible in this film and I'm I'm kind of one oh, of yeah, those yeah. people I'm one of those people that that I'm not really I wasn't really the biggest fan of Dave Batista like I like Guardians of the Galaxy wasn't really the biggest fan of of um, uh, uh, Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner. I thought it was kind of boring, but that that's just me, to be honest. But it's I I thought he was absolutely incredible in this film on how he kind of built the tension, like just like like even like in the the first few minutes of this film with uh, his his interaction with the with the daughter, and yeah. just I I like the way. And that Shyamalan shot it too, where he shot really, uh, really close up, and just and just made the audience feel as uncomfortable as possible. Just because if I was her, I would, if I saw someone as big as Dave Bautista come up to me and like catch grasshoppers with me, I would feel uncomfortable. Would you, Alfie? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and I I was surprised that he was like like I knew the character was a teacher, but. Uh... <laughs> Still, I don't know how I pictured Leonard in my head when I was reading the book. Um, mm -hmm. The book that said that he's really like huge, but like I don't know, I didn't picture Dave Batista <laughs> or something, or you know, or someone of the like. But I do think he, I, I do think he was great in the film. Um, I did like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Uh, mm -hmm. He does have a he he does have a small role in it, but I think he did. Uh, a pretty good job with the little screen time that he had. Um, 
and I was I'm not a huge fan of his work in the MCU. I don't think he's either for whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, with this one, I did. As I said, I, I was angry with the film when I came out, but I was like, you know, good, good for him, good for Dave Batista. He was excellent in this film, and I mean, not to compare him with other like WWE people who came to act him, but I don't think so. I I don't think The Rock or or John Cena could have could have played this kind of character. I don't think they could ever do that. Oh, definitely not. Definitely def not. Not the maybe The Rock if he actually gets his act together. I, I don't think John Cena. I, I've gone on record on uh, previous podcasts where I, I think John, Re John Cena is probably really only good in comedies. And like he oh, should yeah, stop yeah. being I in agree. dramas. But, but, uh, I, agree. I, think he's very, I think he's very funny, but that's pretty much all I think about his acting abilities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he's really good at, he's really good at blockers. Like blockers oh, yeah. is not. Yeah, yeah. He, Blockers is not really the best film, but I, I feel like it has some funny moments. But, but yeah, um, and and we with Dave Bautista, I kind of have like the opposite opinion because uh, I really, I really don't like his work in the MCU. I don't think he's very funny, but <laughs> so I don't think he really works that much in comedies. I don't think he has like the comedic timing or anything like that. But mm -hmm. it's fine because he's a great dramatic actor, which is I think. Uh, it, it could be more difficult for other people. Right. And I think M. Night Shyamalan really, like, like he really uh, let it, he, he, he let him loose on this film. And, like, like the film really shows up until, like, the final, like, final act. But, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's the case with most M. Night Shyamalan films. It kind of, like, is super strong and then kind of, like, just like a wet fart at the end to be honest just because it's just uh, yeah because i kind of felt the same way about old but like old like is like a really nice like interesting concept of like people aging like on this island and then the ending of that was just like m night really i have to like i i, I want him to succeed so badly but it's just like it's like oh come on yeah it's a it's uh it's kind of hard to um to root for him sometimes but i do think some i something that i do think that um people really overlook i know like he's not the greatest writer <laughs> but i do think he's a great director he really studies the craft and i was actually watching a video from an interview he did i, I don't know if it was recently with this press tour or when old came out and he was talking about um, on old how he was trying to like mimic certain camera movements from like Kurosawa and Bergman, and I was and they and they kind of juxtaposed the like clips from old and like uh, Persona, and I believe it was uh, Rashomon, and I was like, you know, I kind of see, I kind of see that, and <laughs> and th I think that's why it does look very good and. I mean, he he always has great DPs behind the camera. Mm -hmm. um, actually, in this film, he had two DPs, and I actually uh, one of them used to be a, a teacher before when I was living in New Orleans, and I actually took a couple of his courses. Um, mm -hmm. And he and he he's pretty great. He's I'm very happy for him that he's doing like bigger projects now, 
I think he was working on Shamlin's show, uh, uh, Servant, uh, the show on, on Apple. And mm -hmm. he shot a couple of those episodes. And now he was a co-director of photography in this one with uh, Devin Blaschke, who sh had shot also all of Robert Eggers' movies. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, it, it, I think it's, I think it's greatly directed. Um, there's a scene, there's a scene in Knock at the Cabin that I was like, this is, that was incredible, which was um, where Jonathan Groff's character says that, um, so he has this, he has a concussion and he, there's, there's a little, a part where kind of the light kind of comes from the window and does this like really huge glow like on his face and he um, then he says that he saw this like figure on the light and if and actually this is this is on the trailer so if you kind of pause that scene you can actually see someone behind like Ru I believe Rupert Green's character and I was like that's uh that, that that was insane to me that was that was great it's an insane amount of detail too because it happens so quickly but it but it happens so quickly but the shot lingers in su such a a slight way that like if you are looking you like oh wow like i saw something too uh i yeah. think that was the same scene with was that when uh is that the same scene with rupert grint like the like the first uh, yes, I think I think it was when he was introducing himself to them. I think a little bit after that. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, there's there's that. So there, so he he was like, so he has a concussion. Uh, Jonathan Groff, and he's like, can you guys like lower the drapes or whatever because the light is kind of my face. And I think it's when he does when Rupert Green does that, like try to like close the window or something, and you can see like this this figure behind him when the light comes into the window and it's and it's scary because you kind of stop it like if you watch the trailer you if you stop it it looks kind of like some kind of character from like silent hill or something it doesn't even look like a person mm -hmm. yeah uh i i just like all those kind of like subtle scares like that where and M. Night Shyamalan is kind of like a master at that like he, he he showed that a lot with signs like just kind of showing like uh showing a little bit of like the, the aliens like you he did he never like actually showed them like full on it was just kind of like in the background and i feel like stuff yeah. like that is is a lot scarier instead of like having like having like what is scary like up front and center but anyways yeah. alfie i think we i think we've talked a little bit uh <laughs> a lot about um knock at the cabin uh i liked it a little bit more than you did just because i appreciate the like the simplicity but uh, like i feel like you would have changed the ending and you would have yeah i think i wish like i know it would be weird now like you know in years from now to someone to cut to re-adapt this book because it's so um you know, very uh, because this movie just it's just like the book, uh, like the book, like for like seventy five percent of it, and so that's that seventy five percent I really like. But the moment that there is no ambiguity anymore of what's happening, that's I think when it kind of loses 
mm-hmm. uh, Steam, which I think that happened with old as well. When, you know, with when M. Night Shyamalan's character was like, you know, that he was doing something shady, that he was like uh, doing like surveillance over them. You kind of know there is something happening that it's not supernatural. So you're like, okay, so now what? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I agree. Uh, I think the the one good thing about Knock at the Cabin is that it took down Avatar: The Way of Water at the at the box uh, number one at the box office. So yeah. any film that takes down James Cameron is number one in my book. So <laughs> yeah, and I love that. I I think Shyamalan tweeted when when the like the box office report came out he was like oh my god i love avatar so much i'm sorry james cameron and i'm like he he had seven weeks i think that's enough <laughs> right yeah that's that's he he made two billion dollars give give it to give it to m night for 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 a week yeah. or two and funny funny enough um since you talk about 80 for brady i believe that it almost took that first place i think it was just like a million difference between 80 for Brady and Knock Out the Cabin, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it it might actually swap because 80 for Brady is a football movie and it would, like, it the Super Bowl is coming up and I think people might prep for that this weekend, but we, we will see. But Yeah, maybe. Maybe old, maybe people were, like, identifying with this ladies and they were like, oh my God, they're just like me. <laughs> they're just like I'm just like these white old ladies <laughs> yeah and knock at the cabin I was like mm, they kind of just like me but not really <laughs> uh, yeah, like but... I, I was like you know those uh, letterbox reviews where you're like you know that wouldn't happen to me but whatever <laughs> but speaking of people that are just like me let's get into our featured review with the man who sleeps. You stay in your room, not eating, not reading, hardly moving. You watch the basin, the bookcase, your knees, your eyes in the cracked mirror. All right, that was a scene from our featured review, The Man Who Sleeps, the 1974 film directed by Bernard Quezon. I'm probably butchering that. Probably butchering that. Please comment down I below. Probably, I, I probably would, too. Yeah. Not, I, I used to take French classes a couple years ago, and my teacher was always like, your pronunciation is horrible. Like, drop out. <laughs> yeah, I took... I, I did the same thing, like, in high school, and that was... I'm 33 now, so that was a really long time ago. So my French is not really the best. Yeah, um, I don't but, remember. And the only the only thing I remember from my French class is how to say apple, and that's because there was this thing our teacher would do that she had this huge trunk with stuff inside, uh, so you kind of have to put your hands in it and grab something, and then be like, "This is whatever in French," mm-hmm. and now and I took an apple out and I said it. I said uh, I said the word, and she was like, "Yeah, but what color is it?" And I'm like, "I have no idea." I'm sorry. <laughs> it's 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 cool. So it's kind cool. of it's kind of traumatic. So that's why I remember how to say apple. Right. Well, <laughs> this this film. I'm gonna read the synopsis real quick. It, this film is about a 25 year old male student in Paris who becomes indifferent uh, to the world around him and subsequent subs, subs, sorry subsequently feels a strong sense of alienation and hopelessness. Uh, sp- but speaking of people that. I like I can relate to 
I felt completely called out when watching this movie. What about you, Alfie? <laughs> yeah, I I didn't know what to expect because I was like, what is so I, I kind of just read the little synopsis on, on the on letterbox and I was like, okay, this sounds kind of um metaphorical for depression. But then I watched it and I was like, oh, this is not a metaphor, it's just actually about depression. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh yeah, this film uh <laughs> Uh, the entire time I was just like is just watching like this guy kind of like sitting in his room like like just looking up at the ceiling and just like when you it at first like it this this film is very mundane I'll just say that like but I think that's what I appreciated most about it just because it's it felt it felt grounded and it felt real um but uh what 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 did you think about it? Um, yeah, I was a little bit. Um, it's funny because I usually with these French New Wave movies, I don't know what what my reaction is gonna be because sometimes I'm like, okay, so this is kind of garbage and boring, and some of them are like, okay, this is like incredible, and mm-hmm. I don't know about I don't know about this film. I don't. Uh, I don't think it's terrible, but I don't think I would be like this is brilliant either. It's like I guess it's it's very good. That's that's kind of what my takeaway was. Uh, but mostly because of how I think people would feel like um, watching it. Because you know, there's always I, I don't know if you have seen like those like meditation videos or um, audios on Spotify or on YouTube. Mm-hmm. where where they're like oh you're important or you deserve to live everybody loves you and this one <laughs> and this one was kind of like the opposite of that it's like your life is awful like nobody likes you you're just laying there and not doing anything because you're terrible and I was like okay that's enough <laughs> yeah it's it's super depressing like it's a movie about dep- depression but it's also very depressing and like that's why it's like that's why like I DM'd you like when I was when when I was watching this I was just like I feel extremely called out right now because at several points like in this movie I felt like this guy like exactly it felt like this movie was just filming my life and (laughs) not trying to like kind of bring down like the whole mood of like the, the of this recording but it's just like I don't know I I could have done to be honest like I thought this film was 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 just good as well. I could have done without like the narration. I feel like what this film was yeah. kind of illustrating with the cinematography and just like the shots and like how every how everything was lit too. Like I appreciated and yeah. I didn't need the narration. But like the narration just kind of felt like 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 you said it was just like those YouTube videos of of just like everything's yeah, gonna be all right. Did, <laughs> did, did you watch the did you watch the French original version or do you watch do you watch the dubbed one? Uh, I watched the dubbed one, so I think that was probably the that was probably the yeah. I I the watched the one. dubbed one too, and I um I don't know if there was I, I don't I don't think there would be any difference to be honest because I mean <laughs> um. Because I was watching, I, I didn't know I was watching the dub version until Shelley Duval started talking. <laughs> yeah. 
and I was like, um, okay, so is this in English or, and I, I don't know, it took me like 20 minutes to realize it was a dub version. And, and I was, for those 20 minutes as well, I was like, I kind of know this voice, but I don't know who it is. So I Googled it and I was like, oh shit, it's Shelly Duval. So yeah, that was really depressing. Yeah. <laughs> so I, like, I know, I know this is going to be really sad. Yeah, it's it it's definitely pretty sad, but I feel like it kind of redeemed itself a little bit at the end, where it's kind of like it, it it's the entire movie. It's basically like I think it, like the one benefit is that it's not very long, too. Is that yeah. at least you like if it's depressing, at least I don't have to like uh, like have to sit with it for that long. It's like it's a it's like it's an hour and seventeen minutes, like just under. 90 minutes uh but it, the, like i said just way too much narration i could i could have done i think what this film like like illustrated that like you didn't really need it, even though uh i thought that i don't know it's just it's uh, you don't need the narration that's basically what i'm saying <laughs> yeah i think yeah they did over uh, i mean overuse it because i mean that's pretty much the entirety of the film mm -hmm. but i agree with that because i think it would have been a lot more powerful i guess if we kind of just look at him like going through his life and for people to be like oh uh oh i do that or they kind of notice like the little stuff that he was doing without a narration telling me oh so he's doing this now because he's he wants to die and I'm like, I know. <laughs> no, right. you don't have to tell me. <laughs> right. This is like film as a medium. It's a visual medium. It's a visual medium. I could, we could, we could see that this guy is down on his, like he's cutting himself off from the world. He is like, I, I wouldn't. I'm not sure if, like, we'd call him poor. I don't think, like, he has like an apartment. The apartment's kind of small, but. Like, yeah, I think he, I think she mentions that the narrator was like that he has like fifty francs to live for like a week or something. It was a week or a month, but I was like, I'm not sure if that's a lot or not. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that's a lot either. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it I'm not like as of the as of today, like I, I checked the letterbox two hundred and fifty. This film dropped off. It, like it was 249 but it it's not it's not on the list anymore and i can oh. kind of i can kind of see why a little bit just because it's uh i, I don't know it's like all the like it has a 4.2 average like on letterbox and i could most of the ones that i can see like right now are like they're all like five stars and people are like like super impressed with it but I can see why people like people like you and me can have like this reaction where it's just like it's like this film's draining, like super draining. Yeah, it, it is really draining. Um, it did remind me of um, of that film that I was telling you about before. Uh, well, it didn't really remind me because it was it's not a they're entirely different films. But it, mm -hmm. uh, this film called Man Bites Dog, where it's just um it's a different experience but it's shot very similarly to this movie so 
I was thinking about that other film throughout the, the whole movie, maybe because I just wanted to think about something else instead of what the narration was saying. Mm-hmm. So that was probably why. And I was like, I don't think that this, uh, I, I don't think these two films are supposed to be like in my mind at the same time, because uh, Man Bites Dog, it's like, a, it, it's a very nihilistic movie. And it has like a terrible view of like people and society. And it's like, okay, so this guy is like killing people, but like, it's okay because people kind of deserve to die. And I'm like, mm, uh, sure, I guess. And mm. this film, I was surprised by the ending of The Man Who Sleeps because I was fully prepared for him to kill himself at the end. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think we all were. At that, at that point, just because of how much of a downer, and I'm kind of glad that it kind of like, like it's it's a little bit more uplifting at the end, and it's just, it's just, it's basically just a visual visual piece on depression. I'm not sure how how long we could talk about this because it's like, like I'm not really sure if it if it has really anything else to say about like depression other than it sucks. And yeah, you will come out of it. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that's that's kind of what I felt at the end because I don't like, like I said, I don't think this movie's a masterpiece. I'm surprised it, it's so high. It, it has a, such a high score in Letterbox because I, I was like, okay, because I, I saw the score before the, I watched the film, so I was like, okay, so this is either really terrible or it's just like an absolute masterpiece and i kind of haven't heard of this movie so i'm i'm not sure so yeah watson i was like um sure okay that that was okay um yeah i don't i agree with you i don't think it has a lot to say aside from that uh, as of you know uh this guy he's he has depression but and it kind of sucks he kind of doesn't have a will to live and then he's like uh the the movie's like i you're probably feel the same way and i'm like e- sure yeah and then he's like but that's okay because you're gonna get through it you can do it and i'm like thank you and then the movie ends yeah <laughs> that's exactly how i felt at the end i just was like thank you this is like just a completely like just like just flat just thank you this is what i needed where it's just like uh it, it felt, it, in a way, it kind of felt like you know the student, the student films, like in film school, where people were not not trying to put them like the filmmakers at all for this, but it's just like it, it like it just felt it just felt very one dimensional, where it's just like this this person has depression or the filmmaker has depression and he just wants to illustrate it, and I'm just like, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, it felt like. You know how in movies sometimes when there's like this guy who's a filmmaker and they make sometimes like this fake movie about um, like an art project and this, there's always this guy who's like really pretentious and I'm like this is kind of like the move that fake movie that would play in those kind of scenarios. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I t- like that. That's like that's that's a good way to s- describe it. But yeah. Anyways, uh, what did you think? Talking to the talking to the listeners, what did you think of the man who sleeps? Let us know in the comments down below. Uh, Alfie, this was fun. I like uh, I like to, I like talking with movies 
movies with you like all the time, which is why I join your your Twitter space like all the time. Uh, before before I get you, uh, before I have you plug like everything, what what would you rate the man who sleeps? Ooh, gotta... probably. You know, I'm gonna give it the same score I get Man Bites Dog, and I'm gonna give it a three out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I. I, I I gave it a four and a half just because I'm like if if a film has like really good cinematography and like I'm kind of like amazed by the visuals, I'll always give it at least a four and a four and a half out of five just because I'm I, like I I like visuals I like I like shiny stuff so it's like I uh I I, I appreciate the effort but I I don't know I like four and a half like, yeah I'm like I'm like thankful for it i guess it's funny because uh this movie um uh, so it, it mostly like really grim narration and you're like feeling terrible all the time and then has this little uplifting moment at the end where you're like yeah you know uh you know what you're right um there's <laughs> it reminded me of this there, there's always this like instagram reel or is it a, a tiktok reel i don't remember like a soundbite that they were like um oh my god i'm i feel horrible i want to die and then and then the brain is like you're you're kind of being dramatic and i'm like yeah you know what you're kind of right. <laughs> right and that's kind of like and that's kind of like how this film felt and it's funny because i i watched another film a couple months ago that was kind of like the opposite of using this kind of thing because um it was a movie called They Look Like People, which was, mm -hmm. um, it was mostly about mental illness. Uh, that was, uh, that, well, that was a great film. That was a great depiction of mental illness. Um, but there's this guy who's like really listening all the time to those um, videos of like, you're amazing, you're, everybody loves you. And I believe the dialogue was something like you're you're a mountain and nobody can move mountains, something like that. And I was like, this is really lame. And the funny thing was that he was really lame in real life as well, because nobody really liked him. And he was he had all this confidence, but he was so he was so lame that people were like, you know, I don't care really. And it's funny because they use in that film that really uplifting dialogue but it still feels kind of like bringing you down a little bit because it kind of it kind of feels a little bit sarcastic when you're listening to it and this movie kind of does the like the opposite of that with using like this really grim terrible um dialogue and for it to be like yeah but you know what actually you you you're a love be uh take care <laughs> right <laughs> I I totally agree. It's like I I don't know why I gave it four and a half. Sometimes like I always like to say like on Letterbox like like people are always like especially when they looked at my top twenty of twenty twenty two they're like how come you have like th this movie so low or this movie like rated like three three and a half but it's in your your top twenty and I'm just like just because I rated something like low or something high doesn't necessarily mean like I like it or or, or I think it's bad. Like the rating, I, I just rate it just to like, sometimes I just rate it just like, cause I want to give it a random score and stuff like that. Or I just like, 
I, I just want to get a reaction too. Like that's also another thing where it's just like, like I'll I'll rate something one star and they're like, how come you rated this? This this is like, that this is one of my favorite films. So, like I guess like what I'm trying to say here is like read the review, read my review, and then you'll be able to see. Yeah. Like, what I actually I had, I had kind of like the same reactions sometimes. I don't know people. I, Letterbox it's weird because. People are always like um, complaining about either the long reviews or the kind of, or the unfunny one-liners or or about the ratings, what ratings people are giving. Because I, I've had people who like DM me about my ratings on Letterbox, or like um, there's a there's a really popular film that I kind of don't like, which is Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah um i don't i really don't like that movie uh like i thought it was just okay um it's my least favorite of the three indiana jones films that i've seen i haven't seen crystal's call yet but i'm gonna be watching that soon um so yeah i was like i i don't i i think i gave it like a two and a half <laughs> oh wow <laughs> the raiders which i know like i understand it's an unpopular opinion but i didn't know it was that unpopular that people would dm me about it <laughs> no, to, to, to be honest i don't have to agree with you i think raiders i wouldn't for me i wouldn't rate raiders that low which by the way i think i'm actually doing raiders of the lost ark it's on. it's like i think it's like 247 on my list so i'm doing it in about a couple of weeks and uh it's yeah it's too high <laughs> yeah uh but i will have to agree with you it's not my it's not my favorite indiana jones movie i i, I think temple of doom is still my favorite i i love them i i'm actually i'm doing a i've been doing a spielberg marathon since the since january the first where i'm mm-hmm. like i i was like i'm gonna sit down and watch all spielberg films and yeah. I have, I actually had never seen any of the Indiana Jones films until this, until uh, right January. And I've seen the, the three of them. And, mm-hmm. I, and I was surprised by how vilified I saw that Temple of Doom was because it was my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, that, that scene with the, that, you know, that dinner scene uh, with the snake that was uh that was oh, the so monkey awful. brains yeah the monkey brains <laughs> well the monkey the monkey brains i was like okay <laughs> well that whole that whole sequence really but the one that i was like i'm gonna throw up was that when they like rip open the snake and all the little snakes are like coming out of it i i, I didn't understand that because i was like what is this i thought snakes lay eggs <laughs> <laughs> that's so i was so i was kind of shocked like what i don't know what's going on because what are this like baby snakes but why are why are they acting like snakes can get pregnant like (laughs) that's that 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 was a little like unsettling but also the i mean i under the imagery is really unsettling and the whole like it's awful i like i know it's i know it i know it's kind of (laughs) racist but I do think that you know Temple of Doom has a lot going on for it aside from that, but I do think I I do think people are right that it is kind of racist. But I do think I think Raiders is a lot more racist than Temple of Doom. Oh, and... for sure, for sure, Raiders is a lot more racist, and yeah. I think Temple of Doom has also gotten a lot of like. 
praise recently, especially since uh, Kiki Kwan, with who plays Short Round. Like, yeah, uh, I think everyone's starting to like revisit re- revisit that movie, and they're starting to love it. The, the the scene from Temple of Doom for me that was like super like that that had me cringe and just like I I was a little bit sick to my stomach is still like the like the scene where the uh where they're ripping out people's hearts <laughs> I it, it I have like whenever like a chest is shown like on screen like for me like in any movie or like a chest is open in any way. Even, I know it's fake, but for some reason I have to like look away. That's just how <laughs> that's just how I am. Uh, maybe that's like a maybe that's like a that should be like a uh, when you guys do the the movie ranking spaces like again you sh- that should be like a ranking like top five movies with uh, open heart surgery or something like that. Yeah, I don't. You have you have I I will assume that you haven't seen Crimes of the Future, right? Uh, I actually, I actually saw it. I, I think I rated it on Letterbox. I might have just, I might have just logged it just because. Uh, I, I thought Crimes of the Future was fine. I was like, it was. It, I don't know. It's. I, I thought it was fine. Yeah. I, I, really I, have... I really love. I really love Crimes of the Future. I think it, it did make my top five of the year last year, but <laughs> I, but it's more of a personal thing because um, I do like that Cronenberg does like this huge worlds and then he's just telling like this little tiny story within this huge world and then he's like you know let's never see this world again <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh I, I that's I kind of just that's how I left the theater I was just like I don't want I don't want to like experience this anymore but I had a good time when I was when I was watching it well I wouldn't say a good time but yeah, yeah. I thought <laughs> I thought I thought it was really funny <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I, I haven't even I haven't even thought about watching like I, I think it's a son. Uh, what's the what's the one that's in theaters now? Oh, it's the son. Yeah, what, I I I didn't watch it because I mean it, I think it was in my theaters for like two days. But mm-hmm. the thing is here is that if a movie if if there's a movie that nobody's watching, they just take it off the. Mm-hmm. Um, the the theater and I was like I saw the song had like a, a screening and I was like I kind of don't want to watch it because I've heard really awful things and and I was nah let me not watch that um, and it was there for pool. two days Infinity Pool that's what it was uh, Brandon, Cronen- uh, Brandon Cronenberg's like I don't think it's his debut but he directed it. Uh, I love Mia Goth, but but I think I might wait for that one to come on streaming. Yeah, like, he, actually, I, I he, made, he made a film, I believe, that came out in 2020 called Possessor that I really like a lot. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll watch Infinity Pool if it if it comes to theaters here because usually this those kind of film like I didn't watch Crimes of the Future in theaters because it never came to theaters. It was just thrown mm-hmm. in. Um, to movie, they had this, the rights for it, so they never put films on, in theaters. They just throwed it on their streaming service, and I, mm-hmm. I'm sure that that's what's gonna happen with Infinity Pool. I mean, it still doesn't have a distributor, and you know, it's been out for like for like two weeks now or something. Yeah. And I'm okay. 
So I'm going to expect it to watch it legally until like probably like October or something. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. at the moment, I'm just like, I believe if I saw correct correctly, I think The Whale is in theaters here right now. I think today was like the premiere, but I would need to check that. Just, um, just kidding. So just kidding. <laughs> like, the have Whale's you, have fine. Have you seen it? The Whale's fine. Oh, hold on. Okay. Yeah, well, nice. <laughs> Did you get that same call? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my bad. Uh, but um, anyways, uh, Alfie, I can talk with talk with you about movies like all the time. So, uh, where where could where could the people listening listening to this podcast where can they follow you so they can talk about movies with you as well? I mean, uh, yeah, well, you can find me on Twitter. My ad is at Fonzie the Snowman. Um, well, you can, you, they can find me on, on your followers. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm always open for conversation, quote unquote. Um, I like to fight on Twitter. That's, that's no lie. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> You're not alone. You're not alone on there. <laughs> yeah, I like, it's funny because some people, sometimes they just take it too seriously. I'm like, man, I, I just, because sometimes I'm just like, uh, well, when Knock at the Cabin came out, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, mutuals on Twitter who are like, oh my God, this is so good. And I was like, uh, well, actually it's bad. So, but it was kind of like teasing and people were like mad, like uh, then kind of posting like really cryptic shit, like, uh, well, you know, guys, if you don't like something, well, you just let, you should just let people enjoy it. I'm like, are you new here? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's 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 too good. I love I love those comments where it's just like, it's <laughs> it's just like, yeah. If you if you don't like if you don't like my take, then you you can just keep scrolling. Yeah, just keep scrolling. <laughs> Yeah, but it's funny because I, I, I've been on both sides of the spectrum where I'm like, well, Babylon, for example, I really love Babylon, but people, I know most people hate it. So I'm like, I'm just always like, you know, I really like Babylon, but I'm never, I'm never like this, there's, because there's a lot of people out there who are like, this is a masterpiece and you're, you're going to see yourself in 10 years and you're going to be regretting that you didn't saw this in theaters. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I love this movie a lot, but I understand why people don't like it. And sometimes I'm just like, oh my God, I really love Babylon. I like this about Babylon. And people, they don't even like respond to my tweets. So they just DM me and then like, actually, you know, that actually was kind of atrocious because this and this and this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I know, I know it's, I know it's bad. It's like people, like, I really like the happening. <laughs> so, you know what? I, I okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. I really love, I I I I actually love the happening too, and I love uh, that there's a resurgence for that film, and people are watching it, and they're actually starting to like it, like a yeah. lot. Like I, like happening... I know it's like I know it's dumb, but I like I kind of watch it as a comedy, so that's why it works for me. Well, here here's the thing, like. After seeing Knock at the Cabin, I would and seeing Dave Bautista's really great performance, I would love to see the happening kind of like recast with Dave Bautista and Mark Wahlberg spot, just because. Yeah, I would I like would, to. I would, I would like to see that film. Chanel too. 
Oh, I forgot that she's in that film. Oh my god. Yeah, see, I would re I think it's mostly because I don't. I, I mean, Mark Wahlberg's performance is so bad in the happening, but it's... Zoe Deschanel was kind of bad too. But she, well, her she was really just like just there. You know, it's like girl, you're you're in the apocalypse and you're kind of just like moody. <laughs> like it seems like you're not thinking about anything. It's weird, and yeah, maybe so. I would love to, you know, how HBO or I'm not gonna say Netflix, like or FX, they <laughs> they would be like, or Apple maybe. Sometimes they take this like movie and they're like, oh my, we're gonna turn it into a limited series or or something like that. Um, and I wish that they would like take like these trashy movies and turn it into like this prestige television series. Um, because I remember, I remember HBO a couple of years ago was like, uh, actually, we just we just got the rights for Hellraiser and we're going to make a show. And I'm like, OK, so a Hellraiser show on HBO, that's going to be interesting. And then it never happened. Um, so I would love for someone to be like, you know, I really like the happening. So I have this great idea to do the happening again, but as a show and it's like this prestige to be and it's like going for Emmys and shit. And I, I would be like, yeah, well, good for you. <laughs> you. You hear that, HBO? You hear that, HBO? Make Alpha would, producer would, and make this happen. I would, so. I would write a TV show on The Happen. I think it's very interesting. I think The Happen is very interesting. But yeah, like, I know I really like it, but I know that people hate it. But it's weird to me that sometimes I'm like, I, like I'm really... I'm I'm really a shamble and apologies, honestly. Like I didn't even hate the last Airbender. <laughs> I thought it was okay, bad. Okay, you know what? We do, we need to we need to save this for another podcast because <laughs> I feel like because I no, I, mean, I don't like... have anything good. Like I I don't have anything good to say about okay. it. But, I mean I've I've never really watched the the show, mm-hmm. so I didn't like I understand why people hate it. It's probably a terrible adaptation. But I was like, okay, so this is terrible, but I don't think this is a, I, I wouldn't call this a career killer, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, I, I, I have a lot of things to say about The Last Airbender too, just because I, 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 I'm kind of like, I was, I was just like you when that movie came out, I saw it in theaters and I didn't see the show first. And I was just like, I went into it just like kind of like expecting like an M Night Shyamalan film, and I feel like I got that a little bit. Like, like his shots are there, and just like his style is there. It just felt, I don't know, hearing him talk about like that movie, like leading up to the release. I, it, it makes me like just appreciate just like when when people are making films, like they don't know they're making a bad film. Like they're really yeah. like he really thought he was making something great and that's why it's like I, it's hard for me to like like shit on movies like now just because it's like it's really hard to make a bad movie and it's really hard it, it, it's it, it's just as hard to make a bad movie as it is to make a good movie and stuff like that so yeah and i appreciate people who are, you're always like on this really terrible films you see like the filmmakers and they're talking so earnestly and so passionately about this film that is so horrible and I it does make me feel bad to say that it's bad um because I did have 
had experience with another with a film where I like I I told the director that the movie was awful and he was kind of heartbroken. So, <laughs> yeah, and um, I was like, well, it was kind of his fault, but whatever. Um, so yeah, it kind of it does make me feel bad. Like I watch, I've seen, for example, like interviews with the guy who made the last Grudge movie that came out like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And he's talking so passionately about it and how much he's a fan of the Grudge franchise and how he's seen all the American movies and the Japanese movies and he's read the mangas and how he's played the games. And and I'm like, this sounds like it, this movie should be good, but it's not. So I don't understand, but uh, I kind of feel bad for you. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of in that same boat where I don't know. It's just it like people can have takes. That's that's I feel like as yeah. as long as like the take is not harming anyone, like to uh, like like on a, on a physical level, I feel like the, like the take is fine. But anyways, Alfie, I really love I, I really love talking movies with you. Um, everyone, go follow Alfie yeah. on Twitter, like. I promise you won't get mad at his takes. Well, at least, at least within the first couple and stuff like that. But even if you get yeah. mad at him, have a have a conversation with him because, uh, look, look yeah. what we just did for like an hour. So I'm like, <laughs> all, all all I'll say is that I've been having like all these conversations about knock at the cabin, and I'm like, okay, like I res like I res I respect people's opinions, but I'm like. All everything you're saying right now that you got from this not from this film, it's not there. You're kind of making it up. So I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, there were people because there were people who were like, um, "Oh my god, this film! It's so great! It's so hopeful, and it has an amazing ending." And then there's people who are like, "I love this movie because the ending is not happy and it's so." Um, dark and grim, and I'm like, both of you can't be right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, film is subjective, but not that subjective. Yeah, it, like, mm-hmm. I know, like, everyone thinks thing, but there, I think it's, there has to be a limit, you know, when you're like, okay, so you two have, like, totally different visions, the total opposite visions of this, so it's probably that one of you is kind of reading something that it's not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, give follow, give Alfie a follow. Uh, all all of the links in the dis- will be in the description or description box or what whatever you whatever we call it now on YouTube or Anchor or Spotify. It, it'll be in the description. Click it. Give him a follow. You can also follow me uh, at at Marley Loves Film on Twitter. Uh, you can hear me tweet about Fast and the Furious. Uh, yeah, probably gonna be and very. The- me we can you know if you like fighting i can fight with you or we can talk <laughs> about um calling feral and that'd be nice uh so yeah but I, I also don't fight all the time so yeah, yeah you know <laughs> let's have a discussion let's have a discussion let's have a discussion like yeah. i can have i can have like i can have serious discussions it's not always like Beach. there's sometimes when I'm trying to be contrarian like when I was when the Fablemans came out I was like you know this movie's kind of bad but I don't think that 
Well, I I think it's kind of bad. I think that. Yeah, but... <laughs> I, I think I think it's fine. I think it's weird that people are like this. I love this movie. It's about the magic of cinema, and I'm like, mm, this is kind of not about that. But whatever. Yeah, Babylon is about the magic of cinema. You could follow this podcast on pretty much anywhere where you can listen to this uh, podcast. Give us a rate and review. Let us know how we're doing. I've been Marley Silverbrand. And for Alfie, go watch some movies. Peace. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right.